praise, my God, that is due you from our hearts. Father, we just thank you that today you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords. Father, we celebrate a day where we honor motherhood today. But Father God, we would never be mothers without you. Father, you are the King of life. You give us the life. Father God, we just thank you. We want to just lift our hearts today and bless you and praise you, Father God, that Father, we've been called by you. Lord, we're privileged. We're the most privileged people on the face of the earth today. Father, we love you. We love you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful brother and a wonderful father we've got. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Why don't you give somebody a hug? Hallelujah. Give mums a hug. Oh, give, give brothers a hug. Give anybody a hug. Hugs are good. Hugs are free. <laughs> oh, bless you. Good, they're free. Oh, don't. Oh. <laughs> hey, oh, watch out. Mum alert. Oh, someone went out the back door. Where'd they go? Bless God. All right, thanks, guys. Wonderful. Wonderful. You're not, are you going to miss out because you're on stage or are you going to give each other a hug? Quick squeezer. Oh, hallelujah. Watch out, Tat. Your squeezability level just went up. Praise God. Well, how good is God? Okay, I think he's pretty cool. He's awesome. He's awesome. Bless God. <laughs> oh, one, two, three. One, two. Okay. Well, look at you. How wonderful. I love Mother's Day. It's great. I actually cook breakfast. I don't know what happened there, but it was just because I can, you know, like I can do it so well. I um, Amy acquiesced very quickly to say, "Yeah, Mum, you're the best omelette maker in the world." I'm like, "Yeah, I am. I'll do it. I'll do it." I've had plenty of years of breakfast in bed where it literally was in the bed. You know, when they say breakfast in bed, you're like, "Yeah, Mum's go crumbs everywhere and." Oh, no, 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 no. I think we'll go outside. What do you reckon? We'll go, we'll, we'll have it in the kitchen. What about on the deck? It would be wonderful. Bless God. Look, I tell you what. Oh, being a mum is such a privilege, isn't it? Such a privilege. And um, I don't know where I am today. I've got all sorts of pieces of paper. Where's my main one gone? Whatever. It's here somewhere. God is good. Oh, there it is found some funny things it's always I mean motherhood like honestly it is a serious business but it can be so funny I mean I don't know about you but I've had some hilarious moments being a mother and a grandmother and um, I don't know whether I'm supposed to tell you but apparently I'm going to be a great-grandmother it doesn't it's not right it isn't right is it you know I get this picture of this little gorgeous picture and I'm like my Asti dress, I have to get my hair cut and blued and curled and like, you know, when you think of great-grandmothers, they're like 104 years old. I'm going, what? This can't be for real. Are you serious? What's going on? I'm like, oh, okay. So then I had to get, ring up Eugene and say, well, Grandpa, what do you want to be called? <laughs> um, he's very happy. He loves babies. He's very good with his children. He's the one that got up in the middle of the night and did all the stuff. All right, okay, here's some stuff to think about. Nothing is really lost until your mum can't find it. 
Yeah, like socks. Hey, does anybody have a sock demon in their laundry? And I, I, was, I bought some little sketcher socks the other day, and I'm trying to put it on. I'm like, well, where's the rest of the sock, for goodness sakes? You know, they're, like, they're right down on the end of your toes, so they hide in your little shoes. And I'm thinking, man, they are just candidates for loss. I'm going to end up, I can see, with about four socks that have no friends. Nasty little things. Um, silence is golden unless you have kids, and then silence is just very suspicious. Is that right? Yeah, well, they're too quiet. What's going on? In fact, they are quiet. They're up there. Um, if evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? I like that one. Evolution means we should have more hands than we've got. Um, when my kids become wild and unruly, <laughs> I use a nice, safe playpen. When they're all finished, I climb out. I had fun reading these. I didn't write them. My mother's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. And Amy went, yeah, Mum, that's exactly right at our house. Yeah, you just eat your dinner. Um, if your kids are giving you a headache, follow the directions on the aspirin bottle, especially the part that says keep away from children. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's it, sermon done. We've got it there in a nutshell. Fantastic. What a wonderful privilege. But it is. Child, I mean, being a mother is like, it's like, you know, being quite schizophrenic, isn't it? It's the happiest time you've ever had in your life when you produce that child and you hold that and you just cannot believe this awesome thing. And something happens to your heart and it just tears into two. And, and then, you know, like they're fantastic and then they're perfect. Of course, everybody that, every child that ever was born in this house, always perfect until the first time they do something and you're like, Oh, whoa, what is that? I had the perfect child. What are they doing? What do they think they're doing? I'll have to <coughs> smack that child. Who said they saw someone giving their kid a good smack the other day? Somebody I know. They said they went into the supermarket and this child was playing up and the mother's like giving them a good whack and she looked at this lady and she goes, get that kid, get that kid. Give, bring back the smack. I like that. Praise the Lord. That's good. Bring back the smack. Well, you know, a mother is a person who will just go way, 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 way. You're always a mother, aren't you? Way above. Way above. And um, I don't even know. Proverbs 31. I know you think this is the old, you know, chestnut about the perfect wife. Well, I'm not actually going to have a look at that bit. I was reading it and I was like, this is really interesting. Sort of don't, don't take much notice of the first part, do we? Which says, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Oh, so Proverbs 31 is actually um, an oracle from a mother to a son. And the son is the king. So it's pretty meaty stuff. So what does she say? What, what advice do we give to our sons? Anybody who's got sons? Well... I don't know. I've had a few chats with mine. But, you know, the way that we live is the greatest message that we can give any of our children because they keep their eyes very close on you, whether you think it or not. They take in everything that we do, everything that we say. Every little inflection of an eyelid is noticed by your children, whether you think it or not. 
they know all. And I'll pop it out in a crowd of people one day. I, <laughs> I get, my brother, oh, bless his cotton polyester, so I hope he's dancing in heaven. I know he is. Um, we had a friend. Oh, he was only little, so he's five years younger than me, so he was probably about four or something. And um, my dad worked on the local council, and there was this guy, Normie, someone or other, it's a long time ago, and he used to come to our house on a Saturday, and he would just drive everybody crazy. He wouldn't leave, you know, like they'd get dad out in the garage and talk mechanics and boys stuff and all the rest of it. And obviously my mother said something once, looked out the window and went, oh no, here he comes again. He's such a pest. You know it, don't you? And my little brother, down the driveway, my mother said, you're a pest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly, like truth serum children will tell your secrets to anybody who's going to listen because they don't get the picture. <laughs> and, you know, we should take note of that because we should just go, okay, what are we saying in front of our kids? because it will be repeated. It might not be repeated when they're little. Well, they might repeat it like he did. Good on you, Leon. Go for it. Um, but when we're, you know, when we're older, we'll repeat. We'll repeat what we see. We'll repeat in our actions and our lives. So, okay, here is King Lemuel's mother. So who's going, who's going to um, you know, speak to the king and tell him what's going on? Mum. Mum knows everything. You know, if you don't realise that now... Your mum mostly knows everything. She knows a lot more than we think. All right, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O oh my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, O oh son of my vows? So, son of my vows, I thought that was really interesting. So what's she going to say to him? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is... It is not for kings, O Lemuel, and it's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. So she's not just giving him advice like mother to son. She's actually giving him some advice on how to rule, how to run. Uh, you know, I did a little bit of a study on this, and it, it could be that Lemuel is Solomon and Bathsheba's giving him advice. Now, you know, they're not quite sure about that, but they think it could be because she knows being the mother of Solomon and, of course, you know the story of David and Bathsheba. You know, if you kind of think, what are you thinking, Bathsheba? But guess what? She wouldn't have had a choice. You live in those days and the king said, you come into my house, you went to his house whether you liked it or not. So here's this advice from a woman who's been through some very prickly and precarious circumstances in life and she's trying to prepare her son to rule and how should he rule. So drink, what? It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. Now we're not talking about drink, we're talking about being out of control with drink. Nothing wrong with how many litres of wine? 480 bottles of wine. And they'd, well, they, well, they'd already had the party. This is kind of like at the end. Because he says, why have you kept the best till last? Where has this been? That's a lot of wine. 
don't think I could drink a glass without getting a little bit crazy because I don't drink. So, you know, when you do, it's like, whoa, hello, what's this? So it's actually about being out of control. Um, and I think we need a little bit of motherly advice sometimes in our, in our nation, you know. Come on, kiddos, don't get out of control. There's a lot of out of control behaviour, isn't there? Um, for they'll drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. You see, it goes down the line. It's not just about us. It's when we're out of control, then everything around us gets out of control. And here, this is good leadership advice. Lead by example. I voted yesterday, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. I get a medal. <laughs> get a medal for that. <laughs> I voted in Wyong and I was driving it trying to find the place and I drove up the main street and opposite the um, railway station just before you get there there's like people everywhere and cars everywhere and I'm really bright thinking what's going on here oh that's where I got to vote there were a million people there it was like voting day and I'm thinking is that everybody's really like I want to vote I want to get there and vote and I'm thinking I've got an excuse I won't be here well what, what are all your excuses so I don't know whether people just want to get in early and like make their mark and we're really like, mm, come on, let's get it over and done with. No, I want it to happen. I'm like, come on, I want to make my mark. Pardon? They're going to be what? Quiet. Oh, I thought you said wild. <laughs> Bless God. Well, I had to vote in Wyong. Who wants to go to Wyong? Oh, there's a good... <laughs> nah, no, nah, you, you have a recompense when you go to Wyong. You go to Glee Coffee Shop. That's what, you've got to go there. It's fantastic. Good Christian spot right in the middle of Wyong. Where were we? And we heard the statistics about Wyong. Was it here? Katie was saying yesterday, Wyong has like big demonic strongholds over it. Oh, they've got like a satanic place up the back somewhere where they sacrifice chickens and such a nice place to be. Um, and even a child. And that's from a policeman who investigated, otherwise known as her dad. So it's like true. It's not just like urban myth or anything like that. These things are going on. Anyway, so if you go to Wyong, go to Glee. It's a safe Christian haven, all right? It's good food too. Praise God. Okay, so give strong drink to him who is perishing and, and wine to him whose life is bitter. Has anybody got a, um, uh, a message, like, handy? Yeah, look it up for me because that's really interesting. What does it say? She's tr No, no, it's um, six, six and seven. Use wine and beer only as sedatives. Hello. To kill the pain and dull the ache of the terminally ill for whom life is a living death. What an interesting scripture. Oh, what do you think about that in the medical fraternity? That's good. That's what we do. We need it sometimes when we're in pain. And if you've got 480 litres of it, no pain today. <laughs> Thanks, Janet. Is that experience talking or you read it in a book? <laughs> Both. <laughs> All right. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Oh, it's gone. 
remember it. No, no, that's okay. That's all right. Remember, this is, this is wisdom from a mother to a, a leader of a nation, all right? So I think that they're really pertinent, and not just for that. I mean, we're looking at our nation at the moment, um, you know, and we're right there with some decisions that need to happen in our nation. And we have a godly man already, and we would like to continue to have a godly man, wouldn't we? And I, I don't think that's a political statement. I just think that's a Christian statement. You know, I don't think it's political at all. The man loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Go on Instagram, follow him. I'm telling you, it's just awesome to see what happens and where he goes and how he's connecting with people and what's happening. All right, that's my political, that's it. Stoush for the, for the morning. Um, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth and judge righteously and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. So we're not even going to bother with um, the description of a worthy woman written by a mother for her son. Isn't that interesting when you look at it from this angle? This is a totally different take on the perfect wife. Well, I don't think there's any such thing as a perfect wife but because um, we're people. But she is then goes on to describe who can find that perfect wife. She is like this, that whatever. We're not going to look at that. So um, Proverbs 31, 1 to 9 is a mother's advice to her son. And this discourse is an exhortation to chastity, justice, mercy and temperance and how to deal with a nation, but how to deal from life. And I'm telling you, kids will see this. They will know everything that you think. Even if you don't say it, they'll watch. Oh, it's scary being a parent, isn't it? Yes, yes, you're on show. <laughs> In the most vulnerable place, your home. Because usually when you get home, you just let your hair down and throw your shoes off and then have a fit and a tantrum and say whatever you feel like generally. I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. You know, looking in the Bible, I was just checking out some of the mothers. Now, Eve, good old Eve, the first one, the very first one. Let me tell you, if you come from a dysfunctional background, be excited. Eve had the worst family you could ever have. They killed each other. Like, seriously, nobody's had that. No one wants that. So, there, you know, if sometimes I think as Christians, we kind of think that the object is to have this perfect scenario. And yet, you know, like there isn't that experience of anybody in the Bible. There's all sorts of things. That's why we need a God who is greater than us so that we know how to walk through. We are not going to walk around and avoid stuff. Let me tell you now, you will walk through stuff. You'll climb mountains. You'll go down valleys. But the thing is, with our God... We're safe. We've got someone to lead us and guide us. I'm, I'm going away for another two weeks. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm going to, um, to my mother's, of course, to my mother's house. And it's just kind of right there for me, right at the tip of my life. To you know, I'm looking at my mother's... I'm going to dismantle my mother's home, which is huge because this is like... This is my parents' home. This is the centre of the grandparenting and, and the parenting that we've had in our lives. And now I've got the job of going and taking it all apart and emptying that place. And I'm like, wow, God, you know, you have to go through everything that's in the house. 
you know, there's photos that you know come from 1920 and the 1800s, and you're just like, oh, take this, take that, give that to that one, do this, do that. You know, some of us, you know, we've been through all this before. Um, but my mum wrote me a card for my birthday, and she said in it, thank you, besides other things, she said, thank you for finding a safe haven for my retirement. And I mean, she's 88, and I'm thinking retirement was 65, but, <laughs> but that's how she sees it. It's like she hasn't retired at 65. She was still living life and enjoying life, but now there's a season where she has to walk into something different. And I'm tasked with, you know, getting her there and dismantling all these things in the next couple of weeks. And you will be thrilled to know that John and Sue McCaskey, Pastor John and Sue McCaskey, are coming next Sunday. So you're going to have some grandpa stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's gra their grandparents. Yep. No, you're going to have the elder statesman of the Central Coast come and speak. How good is that? Praise the Lord. You know what? My mum grew up in very poor circumstances in Brisbane and I can remember her telling me stories of when she was a little girl her father sold tea from the back of a buggy with a horse well, it was bizarre you know well, we're in this side of we're in the 21st century here and I'm talking about my mother uh, whose father had a job with a horse and buggy with tea chests you know the old uh, tea chests the old wooden and would go around Brisbane selling tea to people off the back of the cart. And the horse's name was Dot. I just thought of that. Hey? And also, like, I mean, it was the Depression. Mum was born in 1930. So when was the Depression? 20s, 30s. So there wasn't much money around. And uh, she, she often has told me the story of when she was a little girl, she'd be in her bedroom gone to bed at night, but the door would be open and she'd see her mum who wor worked all day. I don't know what she did. But at night to make money, she would sit and she had this little... Um, mum's still got it. It's a little metal thing with spokes and you make with wool or, or silk cotton. Have you ever seen those silk cotton? No, you don't sew. You don't get this stuff much. But you make these little daisies that, with this wheel. You ever seen them? Anybody? You ever seen them? And so she would make lots of these daisies out of this very fine wool and then sew all the daisies together, crochet them all together to make baby clothes. And she would go from door to door and sell clothes, baby clothes, just to get some money. And, you know, you grow up with your mum. Not till you're, you're kind of older, you start to hear these stories and you think, you came from that? Mum, you're amazing. You are the most amazing person I know. Because you created this wonderful space for, um, you know, for us children to grow up in. Uh, we had a very safe home. We had a very happy home. We did, I never heard anybody argue or do, never heard that F word till I was 17. What is that? Um, it's hard to believe, isn't it? But I hadn't heard about Jesus either. So maybe I lived under a mushroom. I don't know. I don't think I did. Uh, but, you know, we went camping every year and it was a very safe home. And then I met Barry's family and I was traumatised. Like I've said before, they were different. But, you know, I was talking to my mother-in-law who's... She must be 90 this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to her the other day and she said to me, you're amazing, you're just amazing. Oh, I'm going, me? I'm not amazing. I said, you're amazing. I said, I want to remind you of when I was... Um, 19 years old, 
I said, do you remember meeting me at Auckland Airport? I said, I'm hugely pregnant and I don't even know who I'm looking for. I said, I'm 10 foot tall and you're both too short. People come up to me and go, oh, you must be Lynn. We'll take your bags. And I'm going, yeah, I'm Lynn. Hi, Bill and Bev. Nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So I move in with two people I don't know when I'm like pregnant and I'm in another country. I don't know anything. Pastor Barry, he just decided he was leaving town. He got on. A, he's not here to defend himself, but I'll tell you the real truth. <laughs> he decided when I met him, he and his friend were coming, came from New Zealand to work, to make money, to go to Europe, okay, to go to England and go to the Europe thing. Um, but he met me, see, so he got segued on the way. Um, and then I got pregnant, and he was like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll give the child up. No worries. Yeah, you can go to my mum and dad's. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, we'll take care of it. And then, you know, give him away, and then you can um, just meet me in England. So I'm pregnant. I'm being told I'm giving this child away. I don't know who these people are. I go to this house. They're all arguing and screaming, and, and, and you know, he's obviously having it off with someone down the road, and... I'm like, what have I landed in? I've left my beautiful Walton's home and come to this? This is bizarre. But let me tell you, my mother-in-law was absolutely so incredible to me. She, um, I would give her money. Uh, she used to work, so I'd give her money every week to, um, you know, look after me. I should do, because I used to eat like a pound of bananas a day. She worked in the veggie section at Coles, so she'd bring me a bag of... I like bananas. They're full of potassium. Is that right? My body must have needed it. You'll have to... I'll stop talking soon. Um, and so I'd give her money. Well, let me tell you, there was a real miracle. Now, just think, there's no Christianity yet in, our, in either of our households here. And Pastor Barry is in England walking down in the subway, and he said... As clear as a bell, he heard a voice say, you need to go home. A voice in the subway of London. No Christians in our family at all. But he was staying with these two old Welsh ladies who kept saying, you need to go home. You need to go home. You need to go home. You need to go home to your girlfriend. Pack your bags and go to move back. And so he's walking down there. I believe that they were like Christian ladies from the Welsh Revival. They were that old in 19... Whatever, 1971. Um, so he just stopped and thought, wow, I should go home. So he turned around and he said, oh, well, I've got no money. But anyway, he went to the bank. Have you heard this story before? Somebody probably has. He went to the bank to do something and they said, oh, there's some money here from Australia. It's your tax return check. You never, fit, you never did it. So the government just did it and sent you the money. It was exactly the right amount of money he needed to fly back to Auckland. Um, it was exactly the amount. He didn't have any, any other money. He said he landed in, um, he went and got a ticket, thought, I'm going home. He landed in Singapore or somewhere. He didn't have any money to eat. And he thought, well, I hope there's somebody home at my house when I get home because I haven't got money for the taxi. Got to hop on a taxi. Oh, you're so on New Zealand here. That's what you do if you marry, you hop on a taxi. Anyway, so he gets... He comes home. He comes home. I have to write this story down. But it was like, what are you... I was just gobsmacked. 
But you know what? God was in it all the way. Because within 18 months, we were saved. Barry's mum was saved. We were saved. We all got saved. And, and God had a plan, you know. And, I, and when the baby was born, I was like, nope, I ain't giving my baby up. I don't care what you think. He's mine. That's it. You, I don't care what you do. Welcome to this little family that I'm creating. If you want it, you do. If you don't, tough. Because he came up to see us, came up with this drug dealer friend in a Corvette Stingray or something. You hear them coming. And they came in and they were off their chops. Hi, can see the baby? Don't you love these stories? You know nothing. And... Um, by this time, Eugene had four names. They changed his name. He had Matthew. Are you ready? This is really hilarious because there was no name because he was being given away, you see. And I'm like, oh, give him away. But anyway, so they wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke and John for the four days. They changed his name every day. And, and you know, in retrospect, I'm thinking, wow, that's really interesting. God, you're so there in everything that we do. Anyway, um, the nurse came along because he'd never held the baby. So he's standing by the bed. This nurse looks at him, just grabs Eugene and goes, here, hold this. He's like, oh, oh, oh. Well, that was it. He couldn't give him away. And um, I wasn't going to give up my child. I was going to be the mother, whether he wanted to be involved or not. And I'm like, I don't care what you think. Anyway, Barry's mother was that excited. She'd kept all the money that I'd given her for the last eight months or whatever I'd been there. Um, and so, you know, we came home with the baby. Barry drove it two miles an hour down the road. He wasn't tripping. He wasn't drugged. He was just straight. And he's going really slow. I said, you go faster than this, you know? Baby's not going to break. You didn't have a thing in the back in those days. You just... I don't even think there were seatbelts. I don't know how those kids weighed it. How did they live? I don't know, but they did. And so, yeah, when we got home, she said, right, I saved all the money. Um, here's all this money, go out and buy what you need. Because, I mean, I'm not prepared. I got nothing. Bizarre, hey? It's what, what people have to go through to be a mum. And I thought, I don't care. I, I don't even really know you people that well. You know, a couple of months there, I said, hi, how are you? Barry's father was really interesting. He worked at night, so he and I had to have lunch together every day. He wasn't the conversationalist Barry was at all. And so he'd say things like, you haven't got beaches like we have in Australia, have you? And I'm thinking, I'd say, have you ever been to Australia? No. Well, you sure haven't got beaches like we have. And I'd have to say, I think you're absolutely right about that one. (laughs) Black sand, hello, no. No, no, Bill, no, totally. And we'd eat in silence for another half an hour. Oh, Lord Jesus, I tell you what, I'm so glad when I got saved. <laughs> God is so good. And you know what? God is so good because he did get saved. Praise God. Good old Bill. That was before he threw his suitcase out the back window, two stories high, threw his suitcase out and jumped out because he tried to get away at the front door and Barry bashed him before we were saved. As you do with your dad, give him a good smack. Like I said, Waltons, not the Waltons. I'm going, what have I got into? But, you know, God has got a plan. Oh, 
And, you know, he knew what was going on. I believe that those two ladies, those Welsh ladies, they were definitely born again and praying us into the kingdom. Um, I'm, I'm going to meet them one day. So that's my story about being a mum. And uh, I loved it. I loved being a mum. I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mum. Um, what do you call them now? Stay-at-home mum. Oh, good. Good. I don't know, I was getting politically incorrect about who, who we are these days. Um, and so when we got saved, we, we both decided that we both wanted me to be a stay-at-home mum. And so we just made a covenant that whatever we needed, I'd pray for. I'd pray for. How did that happen? Now that I think about it, <laughs> oh, well, you can pray for all things we need. I'm going, yeah, good idea, Bess. Yeah, great. Hang it, pal. <laughs> I've only just realised. <laughs> anyway, I think I got, the, I got the best end of the deal because Pastor Barry always had to work overtime and he would work really hard. But you know what? We, we had our ups and downs and times and all the rest, but I tell you what, he was a great dad and I was the privileged person to have his children. I want to say that today. Didn't matter about the start, it's all about the end. <laughs> the start doesn't actually look like the end. All right, I was just looking at the mothers. My watch has stopped. Um, Eve, oh, what a blessing, the mother of all living. Imagine being the first mother. You haven't got any handbook on how to raise children. That may be what happened. Maybe she didn't listen to the instructions God gave her, but... You know, she said, I have gotten me in the King James. I've gotten me a, a man-child with the help of the Lord. And it's like, man-child, I mean, really, King James. Um, but it's the Lord that gives us our children. And it's the Lord that helps us raise them. I'm telling you, every mother in this house has got sore knees at one stage or another for being there, praying their kids through. I think Amy wrote me that today in, in the card she gave me about, um, you know, Thank you, Mum, for the seen and the unseen that you've been there for me. I'm like, oh, honey, if only you knew. All right, now, I was just going through this. Sarah, the mother of the nation of Israel, who had, of course, Isaac. Now, Sarah was barren. It's just interesting to go through this list. Rebecca, the mother of Esau and Jacob, she was barren. And, and Isaac had to pray for her to, to have a child. Um, Jochebed, the mother of Moses, well, she wasn't barren, but she had to give him away. Like, really? Give your child away because God said, I've got a purpose for him. Think about that, girls. What about Hannah, the mother of Samuel the prophet? She was barren. Like, listen, God, what's going on here? Um, Elizabeth, old and barren. Like, Sarah was really old and barren. Like, I mean, you're allowed to be barren at 98 or whatever she was. I want to be barren. I don't want to be thinking about having kids at that age. Holy mackerel, I'm even getting freaked out about being a great-grandmother, let alone having a child. Are you insane? God, you need to look around for someone young. Why don't you pick somebody young? Why pick me? Don't pick me. All right, Elizabeth, the, the mother of John the Baptist, she was barren. And I'm like, God, you're picking all these people that are not, they're, they're definitely not picking the crop here. Couldn't you have found somebody over here who was definitely not barren or old? No, because you know why? God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise because then he shows up. I couldn't do it on my own. Definitely not at 80, 90. How old was Sarah? In the 90s. 90s. 
I can't believe anybody could have a baby at 90s physically, but God is able to do anything. Bless his cotton socks. Thank you, Jesus. And, of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. The wonderful women in the Bible. I mean, what about um, Bathsheba? She's in the line of Jesus. You know, this poor woman put upon by David, loses the child, judgment for the circumstances. What's it got to do with her? doesn't matter because God vindicated her, didn't Yeah, She had the smartest son in the universe. She's in the line of Jesus. In the line of Jesus. What a privilege. Mums, mums, mums. They're incredible. Motherhood changes your life. I just got a little... I'm nearly finished. I just want to read you something. Praise God. Um, what else was I looking at? Oh, 1 Kings 3.16 talks about Solomon... Uh, how wise he was. And two, two harlots, I'll use that word because that's what the Bible says, come to him for some judgment because he was the judge. Now, they both had children the same age. Uh, they were born. And one rolled on her child in the middle of the night and it was dead. So she swapped the children over to make out like hers was a live one. You know the story. You know the story. What a story. So Solomon listens to this and says... Bring me a sword and I'll cut this kid in two and we'll share him. Like, really? I don't think that's going to go down well in the Supreme Court of Australia, is it? But it, what's the wisdom? Because he knows what a mother, mother's heart is. The mother will save the life of the child. So the real mother goes, no, don't do that. Let her have him. And the other one goes, no, nah, cut him in half. Yeah, cut him in half. That is not the heart of a woman. No mother, <laughs> a mother would rather give her child to someone else to see it thrive than have it dead. What a... We went to a women's meeting the other night, a Mother's Day meeting, and Sandra Pifke says, why do, you, why do people go to the movies when they can read the Bible? It's full of sex and murder and, and adultery and, and all the excitement that people go to the movies for, like, read the Bible. <laughs> oh, everyone thought that was funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it was very funny. Didn't you? I thought it was hilarious. She is hilarious. Okay, here we go. We're sitting at lunch when my friend casually mentions that she and her husband are thinking of starting a family. What she means is that her biological clock has begun to count down. She's considering the prospect of motherhood. We're taking a survey, she says, half-jokingly. Do you think I should have a baby? Oh, my Lord, if anybody said that to me, I'd be like, hmm... I don't know whether I should answer that. Um, yes, uh, it will change your life, I say carefully. That's about all you could say without getting into trouble. I know, she says, no more sleeping in on Saturdays, no more spontaneous vacations. Oh, really? Um, but that is not what I mean at all. I look at my friend trying to decide what to tell her. I want her to know that she will never learn in childbirth classes. What she will never learn in childbirth classes, breathe. Yeah, breathe. Yeah, like, I've got to tell you, hell no, breathe. That ain't done the work at all. You, you should have Get out of my way. Move. I'm not breathing. Take that stupid gas thing away from me. Did you ever try to give you that? Move on. You're suffocating. You've got work to do. Um, I look at my friend. <clears throat> I want to tell her that the physical wounds of childbirth heal but that becoming a mother will leave her with an emotional wound so raw that she will be forever vulnerable. 
Oh, girls, do we know this? I consider warning her that she will never read a newspaper again without asking, what if that had been my child? That every plane crash, every fire will haunt her. That she, when she sees pictures of starving children, she'll look at the mothers and wonder if anything could be worse than watching your child die. I look at her carefully manicured nails and stylish suit and think she should know that no matter how sophisticated she is, becoming a mother will immediately reduce her to the primitive, primitive level. <laughs> that a slightly urgent call of mum will cause her to drop her best crystal without a moment's hesitation. I feel I should warn her that no matter how many years she's invested in her career, she'll be professionally derailed by motherhood. She might successfully arrange for childcare, but one day she'll be waiting to go into that important business meeting and she will think about her baby's sweet smell. She will have to use every ounce of discipline to keep from running home just to make sure he's all right. I want my friend to know that everyday routine decisions will no longer be routine, that a visit to McDonald's and a five-year-old boy's desire to go to the men's room rather than the woman's room will become a major dilemma. I've had this one. I guess you don't have to bother anymore. Which toilet do we go to? That right there, in the midst of clattering trays and screaming children, issues of independence and gender identity will be weighed against the prospect that danger may be lurking in the restroom. I want her to know that however decisive she may be at the office, she will second-guess herself constantly as a mother. Looking at my attractive friend, I want to assure her that eventually she'll shed the pounds of pregnancy but will never feel the same about herself that her life, now so important, will be of less value to her once she has a child. Oh, that she would give it up in a moment to save her offspring and not have him cut in half and given half to you and half to the other one. But will also begin to hope for more years, not so much to accomplish her own dreams, but to watch her child accomplish theirs. I wanted to know that a caesarean scar or stretch mark will become a badge of honour. My friend's relationship with her husband will change, but not in the way she thinks. I wish she could understand how much more you can love a man who is always careful to powder the baby or who never hesitates to play with his son. I think she should know that she will fall in love with her husband again for reasons she could never have imagined. I wish my modern friend could sense the bond she will feel with other women throughout history who have tried desperately to stop war and prejudice and drunk driving. I want to describe to my friend the exhilaration of seeing your son learn to hit a baseball, which in Australia would much better kick a football. I want to capture for her the laugh of a baby who is touching the soft fur of a dog for the first time. I want her to taste the joy that is so real that it hurts. My friend's quizzical look makes me realise that tears have formed in my eyes. You'll never regret it, I say. <laughs> and I won't tell you anything that's going to happen when you have that child. But you will never be the same. Because mothers... I'm telling you, we're the geniuses of the nation. Not bragging or anything, but hey, we definitely, you definitely, you definitely need a medal if you're a mother. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to, shall we get the wee people? I want to get the little people, the ankle biters to come down. Praise God. The ankle biters, that's what Barry used to call them. Where's the ankle biters? Praise God. God is so good. He's gotten strung up by their toes with masking tape across here. 
I know there's no screaming and yelling. I mean, he's just a, he's just a genius. One of the, one of the, when you study the Hebrew, one of the names of God means the mothering breast, by the way. So God is totally, knows everything, and we can trust him. You know what? We're his children. He has a mothering side to him as well as being our heavenly father. Praise the Lord. Come on. I've got a little job for you. You can come. <laughs> They're coming. I love it. Sorry? <laughs> Untie them all. <laughs> Unchain my child. Praise God. Lucky it's all us and no visitors today. They think people are lunatics. <laughs> Come on. What have you done? <gasps> Where? There's, there's more of them up there. I know that. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that there's children up there somewhere. So. Lots of mothers have obviously gone out with their families today, which is good. And my children um, personally asked me what I wanted, and I said, please don't buy anything. I'm trying to download everything I've got. Um, I would like, my love language is acts of service. So can you please come around with the drop saw, uh, and both of you get all the wood that's laying around my house, cut it all up into nice pieces for my fireplace, and stack it around where it's all supposed to be stacked, not all over the yard. Oh, Mum, that's easy. And while I'm at it, I'll put in the... The um, um, key thing that goes in the roof for the manhole. It's only needed it like 12 months ago. So I'm very happy about that. Oh, Mum, look what you did. It's a flower. How good is that? Do those little people need a hand to get down there or they worked it out? <laughs> oh, well. They bounce quite well. Um, I was talking to Reese <laughs> a couple of days ago, and, and he didn't bounce very well. I didn't realise he'd fallen off his skateboard and broken or shattered his arm. No, cracked it. He cracked his arm. I know. No, and they were uh, the the insurance company was going to um, fly him home again if it was too expensive over there. It was cheaper to fly him home. Then go to a hospital or a doctor there. Praise God. But he'll be home in two weeks and he said he can't wait. So we're looking forward to having Reese back. Having our boy back. He's been away for three years. I can't believe it. All right. Now, all you kiddies, can you come up here for me? Can you come and help me? I need a bit of, hand, a, bit of a hand. So because it's Mother's Day, I would like you to take... A present and give it to a mum. Now just make sure, you know, <laughs> give it to your mum. One for your mum. One, there you go. And, and yes, you can give hugs out. Are you going to give your mum one? Do you want your, where's your kids? <laughs> All right. Archie, do you want to, oh, you, you're giving it. Cannon, can you help me out, mate? Can you grab two and give to these lovely mums over here? Happy Mother's Day, fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, there you go. Find a mum. One for your mum. <coughs> Janet. Give one to Janet. 
There we go. And up the back, you got yours, Michelle? You all got one? Oh, mum's got one? How many more? Oh, me. Oh, I forgot about me. <laughs> Thank you. I think we've all got one, have we? All the spares are all visiting their parents, children, hopefully. All done? All done? Oh, I can smell it from here. Thank you. What does it say? Fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows it. Happy Mother's Day. Love always from me. Pastor Lynn, present to you from the church. There you go. Praise God. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for the privilege of being mothers. My God, we've got helpers. We've got our God to help us through. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, hello. We've got this, we've got this from all of us to Pastor Lynn, our mum. Oh, <laughs> thank you. And in some cases, I'm grandma to you guys. Look at that. Oh. One, two, three. That's three generations in the house. Wow. Thank you. They're absolutely gorgeous. They're beautiful. Love flowers. I really like flowers. I think that um, because our first home was a garden, that flowers should be really special to us as Christians. Gardening might not be so, so special. My garden died from miles away. Disappeared, but oh, all right. Well, we've got some nice cake out there to be eaten. Oh, yeah, with tea. So, we're having a Mother's Day high tea to, together. All right, be blessed. And um, I'll see you when I get back. Yes, I'll be driving up there again. I feel like I'm still in must driving everywhere. Or Miss Daisy or Hoke. Car's good. Yeah, when we bought that car, I was thinking, man, why are we buying such a big car? Oh, now I know. I'm the delivery man, I'm the <laughs> moving man. These kids are gorgeous. They're married. Not only do they sing, but they're married and they have little tiny babies. They can harmonize so beautifully together. Happy Mother's Day.